and welcome to this week's Library Girl and Book Boy podcast where I talk to the rather lovely and hilarious Jennifer Killick about her new book Mo, Lottie and the Junkers and I also recommend some other time travelling adventures. Enjoy! We are very lucky today because I have the very lovely and very funny Jennifer Killick to chat to us. Hi there. Hi. Hi, everybody. I'm really, really pleased to be here. Thank you for inviting me on. No, thank you for coming on. It's great to have a chance to chat about your books. Thank you. So shall we get cracking with talking about your newest title that I have just enjoyed this lovely sunny bank holiday weekend, which is called Mo, Lottie and the Junkers and it's published by Firefly and yes. illustrated by the marvellous Gareth Conway. He, yes he is marvellous his illustrations are so brilliant they were when I first saw them I was just thrilled. No they are they're, they're fantastic so could you tell us a little bit about what Mo Lottie and the Junkers is all about? Okay so Mo and Lottie it's a little bit different from my my previous uh, series in that it's much more sci-fi based um but I'm a big fan of of sci-fi so that kind of all came out in the book and it's about a boy called Mo who lives with his mum his dad disappeared before he was born um and he's quite happy living with his mum because he likes order and he likes quiet and he likes things the way they are but then his mum gets a new boyfriend who has two daughters called Lottie and Sadie, and they all move in together. So Mo's world's kind of turned upside down by these two girls who are like whirlwinds, and and Lottie um, finds it hard to understand Mo because she's she's very dramatic and she likes excitement and she likes change. So they're kind of trying to fit into these lives together, and then at the same time there are all these other strange people cropping up. Um, around where they live so there's a new lollipop man there's an ice cream man there's a new lady who moves in across the road and all these people are acting really weird and some of it's quite creepy and then they find out that there's kind of a big plot to do with the future and to do with the past um, and they're going to be in a lot of danger and they need to kind of work together to stop these really horrible bad people called the junkers um from sort of coming to get them that is a very good summary it's almost as though you wrote it (laughs) (laughs) it was quite a while ago so it's tricky bravo (laughs) thank you so you mentioned um that mo's kind of struggling to fit in with two new sisters and i liked the fact that you featured a kind of newly blended family in yes. your book and I was just wondering why you chose to do that was there a particular reason or was it more just coincidental well I don't know I think so many things from my own life find their way into my stories and obviously all families are different and I think it's important that we represent different families in our writing mm-hmm. and um, about seven years ago now I um met somebody and I was living with my son funnily enough the two of us and then we moved in together um, and I had to bring my son into a situation where he had two stepsisters and a stepbrother and it was just really difficult and really chaotic bringing all these different personalities together and they were all so different they're still all so different and it was just so lovely kind of watching them 
grow into that and learn to deal with each other and love each other so I think that that kind of was just basically from my own life and my experiences and me watching my own children adapt to that kind of situation. Is there anything else from your um, life apart from that and your love of sci-fi that's that's filtered into this book that you can tell us about? Oh yes so the lollipop man is Mm. um, there's um, a lollipop man actually at uh, my son's school my eldest son's 13 now so he's at high school but he had the same lollipop man all the way through school and now my younger son goes to that school and it's still this lollipop man and this lollipop man he's 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 quite old and he's quite grumpy but he's lovely as well and he's there every single day and something I really like to do with my stories is I like to look at people and things that you see every day and just ask questions about them so I often wonder what this lollipop man does in his spare time and if you know maybe he lives in a mansion or maybe he's a spy and I kind of like to imagine stories so the lollipop man came into it and then ice cream fans I think they're really weird because you know, they drive around the streets, they park outside your house and they sell things to you from the road and you don't get that with anything else. Um, And then also me just looking across the road at other people's houses and always, always wondering what goes on behind those walls that we don't get to see. So it's, yeah, loads of it is bits of my own life where I've seen things and I've just asked questions about them. And that is a that comes into most of my stories. So that would be a kind of top tip for getting writing. Ask questions about things you see all the time. Absolutely. Reimagine. I do a lot of that in my workshops at schools, just taking things that you probably walk past every single day. But if you really stop and look closely and yeah, imagine different ideas for them, you can get some great stories. Hmm, interesting. So you've mentioned the um, the Junkers, who are truly fierce. And there was a bit of a revelation about the Junkers and what they got up to halfway through the book. Which mm-hmm. kind of gave me a bit of a nasty shock on a very sunny oh, day. Oh no, that's really quite disturbing. And then I just carried on and it was fine. But they're not yeah. very nice people, are they? They're not. They're really horrible. And I think that was something I consciously wanted to do in this story. I wanted to make really, really horrible baddies that were quite scary and you know, some baddies I think they have good sides and they have bad sides. But I was thinking of a lot of sort of Roald Dahl villains like the witches, that people who are genuinely frightening and who really don't like children. And so I wanted to kind of create these nasty bad guys. Yeah, well, you definitely nailed it. It scared me. <laughs> oh, sorry. <laughs> sorry. It put me off my ice cream. It really did. Excellent. Well, yeah, I wanted to, obviously, I didn't want to go too far. I didn't want to terrify everybody. No. But I wanted to just sort of nudge, nudge that line just a little bit further than maybe I have with some of my other stories. Yeah, no, it was a, a good surprise in a gross and disgusting kind of way. <laughs> Excellent. I love gross and disgusting, as you'll notice from all my stories. Yeah. Anything a bit disgusting will probably get in. Perfect. Perfect. <laughs> so anyway, these junkers, as you mentioned the time travel element as well, and then using kind of special gadgets and devices and I was wondering how much what or if any research you had to do in the kind of technical scientific terms that you use for some of their gadgets well basically my husband is um one of those kind of people who just watches documentaries and has encyclopedic knowledge of everything so if I have an idea I might say to him oh do you know anything about this and then he'll spout a whole load of stuff at me and he knows so much which is really helpful so a lot of what he says come into it comes into my stories I also do watch uh, documentaries and I read articles um, because I want everything to have some seed 
of truth in them so it's things that if you really really stretched perhaps they could happen but it is you know it's in no way scientifically absolutely accurate because there's a lot of there's a lot of fiction in there but I do like to take real science things and just really mess with them so yeah my husband fountain of knowledge and and a bit of tv and news as well excellent what was your can you without giving away too much can you tell us what your favorite device or gadget was in the book Ooh, ooh, that's tricky or the one that gave you the most problems thinking about it um i think with the time travel the way that that works that was quite a complicated process because obviously I couldn't I didn't want to have it so that people could just time travel Mm willy-nilly because it'd make it too easy for everybody so I needed to add in all these kind of complications and I really wanted to think through um things that you know that could be possible that could be plausible at least um so yeah working out the whole time travel and the gadgets that did that and then how it would be powered as well that was all quite complicated and took quite a bit of thinking and uh, researching yeah ah, okay so um the book ended at the perfect point for a new story to begin am i right in thinking this is the first in a new series from you hopefully um i'm not entirely sure at the moment to be honest i think because i've got some other things coming obviously i've got alex three coming in september mm-hmm. Um, And then I've got something different coming in uh, spring 2020, which hasn't been officially announced yet, but there is another Mm. different story. So I think hopefully there will be a second, but at the moment I'm not entirely sure what will be coming next. But I have a plan for a second one. I know where I would want the story to go and I've got quite a nice um, idea for it that I'd be quite excited to write. So fingers crossed. Perfect. And um, it's also been selected for the 2019 Summer Reading Challenge, hasn't yes. it? Which is very exciting. Yes. How does it feel? Oh, it's lovely. I've been so lucky because my previous two books were both selected for the Summer Reading Challenge as well. So that's three out of three. And yeah. I just, I wasn't expecting it with this one because I've been so lucky with the past two. I think somehow I'm managing to write stories that fit with the theme each year, which is really good yeah. um but it's so lovely because it means my book um will be in pretty much all of the libraries and it means that the children who don't have access to books at bookshops you can't go out and buy them will still be able to read them um and yeah it's a lovely thing to be part of and I'm really really proud to have been chosen again it is it's a it is a lovely boost um so yeah maybe maybe I'll be on it next year as well. Who knows? Fingers crossed. Fingers crossed. Yes. So you mentioned also um, your other series, the Alex Sparrow series. Yes. You've got Alex Sparrow and the Really Big Stink. And then the second one is Alex Sparrow and the, the Furry Fury, which is a bit of a yes. tongue twister. <laughs> it is. To get at. Could you just tell those people who don't know anything about the books a little bit about them? Yes. So um, Alex Sparrow is a boy who would really, really love to be some kind of super powered secret agent. Um, He's been training all his life, really focusing on it. But he's always been, you know, quite normal as much as in his head. He's he's very special. (laughs) Um, He's he's really a normal boy. Um, But then he gets a superpower, but it is not uh, your standard type of superpower. It kind of comes with... Uh, a bit of a side effect so he becomes a human lie detector 
but every time Alex hears a lie, his ear farts. <laughs> Only he can hear the sound of the fart, but a disgusting smell comes out of his ear that everyone can smell. And because as he discovers, people lie all of the time. His ear goes off a lot, so he becomes kind of like the stinky kid at school. Um, but he finds out he's been given that power for a reason because there's something very sinister going on at his school that he has to investigate and he has to work with a girl he would rather not work with called Jess, who also has a power she can communicate with animals. So they kind of have to team up. Um, they argue a lot, which is my favourite part of the story is writing their arguments. Um, and they have help from Alex's goldfish, Bob, um, and a pigeon called Dexter. And there are all these kind of crazy characters animals scientists and loads of school children as well so they're such fun books to write they're really fun to read um my oh, son he has read both of them and he really enjoyed them so oh thank you i always take his opinion as a good guideline as to to you know how good absolutely a book absolutely well you know i write them as much as it's lovely to have you know bloggers and teachers and things love your books you know I write them for children and they are the best judges so it's always always lovely um to hear when children have enjoyed them yeah I know it's brilliant now you, you mentioned um Alex's rather unusual and stinky superpower yeah. now where on earth did you get your <laughs> for a far too I don't I don't know how these things come in my head I think <laughs> it was kind of that story it actually started off as a short story that I had to write for homework for my master's in in creative writing um, and I hadn't been planning to write children's stories at that point and we had to try a different genre each week and it was children's writing week and they said to me right Jennifer we're going to workshop your story next week so write a children's story send it off in three days and I was panicking oh my goodness what am I going to do and I really love all the Marvel universe the superheroes how they all interlink how they're so clever um, and I love those superhero stories so I wanted to write something superhero-y but I wanted to do something different as well because obviously there are already an awful lot of superheroes um, so I kind of I thought a lot about being in a school playground and children talking and I thought how you know when you listen to children talking actually not just children but also adults how you know sometimes mm -hmm. you're talking to somebody and they're saying all this stuff to you and you're thinking mm, I'm not sure that's that's the truth but you don't know mm -hmm. and I thought wouldn't it be cool if you could know so I thought oh what about that as a power like a lie detector power and then I just was thinking through how it would work and what well how would how would this person know when someone was lying and I thought well maybe you know they get feeling and I thought well, that's a bit boring and I went through all these different things so I thought well maybe they hear kind of an alarm sound could go off that they could hear so then I went through different sounds and obviously my very grown-up sense of humor came with them <laughs> came to the sound and I thought ah yes I like that and then that kind of set the tone then and I thought, well, you know, if everyone could hear it, it would be kind of hard to weave that into a story because it would be so obvious it was him all the time. But what if only he could hear it, but the smell came as well and everyone could smell it? So it was just a panicked superhero with a twist. And then, yeah, just thinking through how it'd work and trying to make it a bit different. And it just became this really kind of silly idea that then I thought oh do you know what I quite like this and I wrote this short story and it was the most fun I'd had on the course and it got the best sort of reception from everybody as well and people said oh you know you have to 
you have to develop this. So then I went on to develop it and it became Alex Sparrow. So it was really lucky actually that they made they made me do it. Otherwise I wouldn't be wouldn't be here now. No, thank goodness. Oh, thank you. And um, and the second one is the <clears throat> Furry Fury. Yes. And am I right in thinking that there was some kind of competition involved with a child who got to um, name one of the Well, actually, yes. yes, I did a competition. I really like to involve children in my books as much as possible because I think it encourages them with their own reading and writing and it just makes them so happy. You know, you see their face when something of theirs is in your book and they're thrilled and they think they're famous and it just it can like really have a big effect in their life so for very fury I thought well you know I've got all these animal characters maybe I could run a competition for somebody to design an animal character so they didn't just name it they had to create the whole character tell me about the character and then I wrote that character into my story Um, and the little girl that won um, who is just the most brilliant wonderful person she created harry the horse so she told me what he looked like she told me what his personality was like she even sort of made a stat- little sculpture of him that she sent to me and it absolutely blew my mind it was so brilliant um so i wrote harry the horse into into the story and now you know she's she's so proud of it which is lovely and then because of that i did with mo and lottie I put lots and lots of names. I let children have their names in there. I let them name streets. So in the there's a little map inside. A lot of the street, well, nearly all of the street names were chosen by children. Um, lots of Alex Sparrow fans. So it's just, it's really lovely for them to have their little bit of input into it. And it makes such a big difference. So yeah, it's, I'll, I'll, I think I'll always try to find ways of doing that if I can. Oh, that's really cool. I bet they were absolutely <clears throat> thrilled to flick through and try and spot where they had been woven. They in. do. They love it. And, you know, I don't know. I mean, obviously, without giving any personal details away, I know that for some children, it's really made such a difference to them. Um, and it's just such a small thing. It's a small thing. So, you know, yeah, it makes the books a hundred times more magical for me that I know that all these these messages are in there and all these things are in there that were chosen by by children who who love my stories. Oh, that's fantastic. So my next question is a slight change of angle. Mm-hmm. I am a very passionate believer in funny books being amazing and brilliant for readers who are keen readers, not so keen mm-hmm. readers, old, young, etc., etc. But um, I was wondering what your thoughts were on um, how funny books are represented um, in book awards and just in the media in general well this is a tricky one and it is something I spend a lot of time thinking about and sometimes I sometimes I get quite angry about it Um, I feel that for whatever reason and I'm I'm not sure why but I think a lot of adults see books that are more serious or more moving or with the more poetic language I think a lot of adults see those books as being more worthy as being better reads for children and the the funny books are kind of the throwaway books Um, and obviously I you know I'm a bookseller part-time and I see a lot 
in the shop you know parents come in and their children pick up a funny book that's the one they want and they're like no no you need something more challenging no you need to read something better than that and you you know you see it all the time and it is it's really it's really hard obviously especially as a writer of funny books because I know uh, how much work and love is in my books and I know that there are things in those books underlying things about kindness and things like that that I think make them very worthy read and also just making people laugh you know there's nothing better than that and when I've had hard times in my life which you know everybody does it's laughing that's got me through it so I mean how could anything be more important than being able to make people laugh and cheer people up and you know give them that well, laughter laughter always gives me courage I think if you're in a really stressful situation if you can laugh you get that moment to kind of pull yourself back and think yes no I can do this I can get through this and you know it's such an important thing and it's not considered still as being of, of greater value I think as the the beautiful moving books which I love I absolutely love but I just have kind of accepted now that you know I'm not I'm not going to win any prizes I'm not going to win any awards I'm never going to be never say never (laughs) all right it's incredibly unlikely I think when my first book came out I had a lot more hopes uh for things um and that sort of that's kind of gone now I'm not that I'm you know pessimistic about it but I think I'm more realistic now and I'm not expecting uh, people to go nuts over my books I'm not expecting to win prizes I just want the children that read them to love them um, it would be lovely if they were seen as more valuable and not just my books obviously but all the funny books because there are so many brilliant ones um, but yeah it's it's hard I think it's hard for us to be a funny writer and kind of keep your head up amongst all the I don't want to say proper <laughs> proper writers because obviously <laughs> no, don't. It, that's how it feels sometimes. It does feel a bit like that. So yeah, it is. It is tough. And but every day I just think, you know, I'm writing for children. If they're enjoying it, if they're laughing, that's what matters. The other stuff, it doesn't matter. So I just kind of try and keep my head down and not look around too much about what's you know what's going on with the book prizes and the amazing reviews and you know stuff like that. And I just you know get on with it really and and appreciate the things about it that are that are amazing actually making people laugh is really difficult oh thank you I don't even know how it happened honestly <laughs> I just know it's so not funny but my it's your superpower <laughs> isn't it that's what it my is, superpower see. to try, maybe create characters that are funny um because I'm not really funny at all and I always I worry when I go into schools or people meet me that they're gonna think I'm hilarious and I'm just not um but I managed to make these characters that just tell me what they want to do and they're really funny so it kind of comes out that way yeah, I oh, know it does. They are. They're really happy. Oh, thank you. Even when they don't mean to be I funny. Know, I know. It's so sweet. But this is the thing because <laughs> I think, you know, people are funny all the time and especially children. Yeah. If you stand in the playground and you listen to them talking and you watch them interacting, it's just hilarious. There's so much funny there. Um, and I just want to create characters, child characters that are like real children and they're just, you know, they're funny. Yeah, no, they are. The kids do say some very strange <laughs> and hilarious things without even intending to do they? they do I mean I get a lot of inspiration from my own because obviously I've got five five all together yeah. so I get loads loads of good material from them and a lot of the time they don't realize that they're being funny and, and they really are perfect so it was worth you know 
all the stress of definitely together and yeah and I don't think you know if I tried to write a different kind of book I don't you know I don't think it would work I mean I I write I get the ideas and I go with them and I write what's like you know what's in my heart and what comes out and I think if I tried to write something kind of contrived it you know it'd just be rubbish so you know I've got to work with what (laughs) what I got Definitely. So what are you working on? You've mentioned an Alex 3, yes. which I'm very interested oh. to hear about, and something secret for next yes. year. So Alex uh, Sparrow and the Zombie Apocalypse is out mm-hmm. in September. Mm-hmm. I'm really excited about that because um, obviously it's more Alex and Jess. Um, it's set at Christmas, this one, and I love Christmas. So I got to put festive things in it, which was really, really lovely. And I think the last, the kind of climaxy part of it, the last kind of quarter is probably one of the, my favourite things I've written, um, just in terms of, I don't know, it's really stupid. It's really, really silly, um, but I love it and I love the characters. So there's new characters and obviously the old characters as well. The cover's just about ready now. Um, so there will be a reveal of that quite soon. Um, mm. And yeah, I'm really excited for it. I got to put, with the Alex books, I just get to put so many things in that are just nuts. But I get them in there. Like obviously, with very few, I got to put Hedgehog in there. And I love hedgehogs. So that was amazing. Um, Alex 3, there is an octopus. Um, so yeah, it's going to be brilliant, I think. Um, and then uh, next year's spring is... Another story is completely different um, from Mo and from Alex. Uh, I think it's going to be a standalone. It's more, it's a bit sci-fi-y again. Um, I don't know how much I'm allowed to say, but it's kind of sci-fi action-y with with comedy. Um, And it's about a group of year six children. And I probably shouldn't say anything else, otherwise I I might get told off. Yes, no, I don't want to. <laughs> no. Is this coming out with um, Firefly? Yes, as well? this is another Firefly one, and I know they're really excited about it. So um, I think hopefully there will be so we'll be allowed to bring out some news about it quite soon. Um, but yeah, so that will be spring two thousand and twenty, and then I'm not sure what will come after that. No, I'll keep my eyes open in that. Case. Ah, thank you. <laughs> right well you know, that has brought me very neatly to the end of all my questions so I'm going to say a big big thank you to you again for giving up your time this evening to chat with me and to anybody who listens to the podcast and um, I hope your school visits go well thank you. and I'll hopefully talk to you again soon. yeah thank you so much Joanne thank you for all the brilliant work you do for funny books it's so brilliant to have a champion like you fighting our corner for us so oh no it's my pleasure I get to read them all so I'm you know perfectly (laughs) oh thank you so much and I'm sure I shall see you soon yeah definitely you take care you too thank you okay all right bye 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 So if you like the sound of Mo, Lottie and the Junkers, or perhaps you've already read it and want something in a similar time-travelling vein, I have a couple of recommendations for you. The first is Time Travelling with My Hamster by Ross Welford. It's a really funny race against time adventure where our main character Al soon discovers that time travel requires not only daring and imagination, but also lies, theft setting his school on fire and ignoring all the very good advice from his grandpa. 
he also discovers that it's very difficult to do time travelling without losing his pet hamster, Alan Shearer. Probably one for nine plus. There's a good bit of science in there, so it might baffle slightly younger readers. This second recommendation is a new Doctor Who title written by one of my favourite funny authors, David Solomons, who wrote the brilliant My Brother is a Superhero series. And this book is called Doctor Who, The Secret in Vault 13. And it features the very first female Doctor Who. It also features a sinister school, a monstrous mystery and a desperate plea for help from a pot plant. The Doctor has been summoned and the galaxy is in terrible danger, but only the, a Time Lord can save us. But to do so, she must break into a secret ancient vault on a remote and frozen world that no one has ever returned back from alive. And I would recommend this for readers aged 8+. plus. Plenty of humour in there, along with the time and space travelling element. Another author who writes books packed with science, and his latest one has a time-based theme, is Christopher Edge. You might know him for The Infinite Lives of Maisie Day, or perhaps for Albie Bright, but his newest book is called The Longest Night of Charlie Noon. And luckily for you, he is featuring on my next podcast episode. So if you want to have a read of his book before you listen to him talk about it next week, make sure you nip into your local bookshop and pick up a copy. That is The Longest Night of Charlie Noon by Christopher Edge and it's published by Nosy Crow. Make sure you grab yourself a copy. that you don't miss Christopher's episode or any of the other upcoming Library Girl and Book Boy podcast episodes make sure that you remember to subscribe so you will get alerts when a new episode has been broadcast you can also get updates from my blog www.librarygirlandbookboy.wordpress.com or from my Library Girl and Book Boy Facebook group or I'm always on Twitter or Instagram as at Superhero. Two, do also get in touch if you're after any particular recommendations or themes or next reads. Thank you. Talk to you next time. Bye-bye.